Morning, church. How are we doing today? Everybody good? All right. Hey, I'm glad that you're here today. Uh, for those of you that are our guests, my name is Steve. I'm one of the pastors here at Houston Northwest, and I'm so glad that you've decided to join us today. If you have your Bible with you, I want to invite you at this time to go ahead, take it out, open it up, and head over to the book of Acts. Church, I have a big announcement today. I know it's a thing you thought I'd never say. It's the final sermon in our series on the book of Acts. I know some of y'all are like, there's another book in the Bible? We didn't know. Yeah, okay, so here we go. Acts 28, we're going to be starting in verse 17. Uh, this has been a fantastic series, and I'm, I'm grateful for the opportunity that we've had to, to go through it, and um, really think that the Lord has something special to say to us today. I think he, he did some good work in the first service, and, and hopeful that he'll continue to do that here today. Um, as you're headed to Acts 28, um, what I just want to do is I just want to pray over us and ask God to move today, and uh, then we're going to jump into the text. So if you would, would you please just bow your head with me at this time, and let's just ask the Lord to speak to us here today. Father, I just am asking God that somehow you would use my words, Lord, and that you would somehow be able to speak to people who need to hear from you today. God, that every person in this room has something different happening. Uh, But Lord, I pray that uh, somehow your word would work through my words so that we could meet with the living word of Jesus Christ. And God, I I don't wanna be remembered today um, as we leave this place, but I I want Jesus to be remembered. And so, Lord, that's my prayer, that that we would lift him high and that people would be drawn to him. And God, we pray this and we ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. amen. Acts 28, starting in verse 17. After three days, he, and that's Paul, by the way, he called together the leaders of the Jews. When they had gathered, he said to them, brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors, I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. After they examined me, they wanted to release me since there was no reason for the death penalty in my case. Because the Jews objected, I was compelled to appeal to Caesar, even though I had no charge to bring against my people. For this reason, I've asked to see you and speak to you. In fact, it is for the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain. Then they said to him, we haven't received any letters about you from Judea. None of the brothers has come and reported or spoken anything evil about you. But we want to hear what your views are, since we know that people everywhere are speaking against this sect. After arranging a day with him, many came to him at his lodging. From dawn to dusk, he expounded and testified about the kingdom of God He tried to persuade them about Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. Some were persuaded by what he said, but others did not believe. Disagreeing among themselves, they began to leave after Paul made one statement. The Holy Spirit was right in saying to your ancestors through the prophet Isaiah when he said, go to these people and say, you will always be listening, but never understanding, and you will always be looking, but never perceiving. For the hearts of these people have grown callous, their ears are hard of hearing, and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. Therefore, let it be known to you that this salvation of God has been sent to the Gentiles. They will listen. Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented house, and he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. This is the word of the Lord. 
If you're a baseball fan, maybe you've heard of the name Bill Buckner. In the 1986 World Series, the Boston Red Sox played the New York Mets, and in game six, Bill Buckner became infamous for something that happened. In the bottom of the 10th inning, a slow roller headed towards Bill Buckner. He was playing first base, a play that he had made probably at that point in his career hundreds if not thousands of times. And with the game on the line in game six of the World Series, the ball went between his legs. He missed it. Now, as you might imagine, uh, Boston sports fans were not very forgiving. I mean, they're Red Sox fans. What are you going to do? And uh, they, were, they were less than enthused. They spoke so ill of Buckner that he ended up moving to Montana to get away from Red Sox fans. What do you do when you have a public mistake that everybody sees? What do you do when you have regrets? What do you do when you've got stuff in your life that you just wish never would have happened. That's where we're headed today, and that's what I want us to talk about because here at the end of the book of Acts, this story does not end the way that you think it would end. You think it ought to end with some kind of triumph, but all that ends up happening is that Paul is arrested. He's arrested, and he ends up in house arrest as the book ends. It's not the kind of triumphant ending that you would want, uh, but that's where the story does in fact end. And I think that many of us can relate to that because a lot of us here today have things happening in our lives, circumstances that are taking place, things that have happened to us or things that we have done. And we want to say, why did that have to happen? I think that we can learn a lot about that today from Acts 28 and the way that Paul handles a life and a story that ends with him being arrested. So today I wanna talk about these things. Two things in this passage really. First, let's look at verse 17. The scripture says, after three days, he called together the leaders of the Jews. When they had gathered, he said to them, brothers, although I have done nothing against our people or the customs of our ancestors, I was delivered as a prisoner from Jerusalem into the hands of the Romans. Paul says, I didn't do anything wrong, and yet I have been arrested. So that, this shouldn't have happened to me, but it did happen. And this is the thing that a lot of us probably say about our own lives. That shouldn't have happened. Uh, several weeks ago, I stood up here and I shared with uh, the congregation about um, just a, an update with my health with regard to heart failure. For those of you who don't know, I've had heart failure since I was 24 years old. I've had a pacemaker defibrillator since I was 25. I'm on my fourth device at this point. Um, and I was sharing how over the last year I've been in a bit of relapse. So I wanna, I wanna give some good news. First of all, we got test results this week that the decline has stopped. So that's good news and we're grateful for that. So thank you for praying. Thanks for that. And we're now praying that, that that'll turn up uh, and start going back up. But this is what I wanna share with you here today. I have spent a whole lot of time in my life upset about the shouldn't haves in my life. And that's really the first thing that I want us to notice in this text, that Paul rejects the shouldn't. He just rejects the shouldn't haves in his life. I could probably sit here and tell you about a lot of those things. I, I found out that I was diagnosed with heart failure eight months after I got married. And I have said, well, I shouldn't have gotten sick eight months after I got married. Um, for a season, several years in fact, I was not able to lift more than 10 pounds because I was in danger 
of straining my heart and I've said, you know, I shouldn't have had to go through the humiliation of being a grown man and not being able to lift anything that weighed more than 10 pounds. We had two kids during that time. It's kind of weird and embarrassing to not be able to pick up your own children. I just... I could say I shouldn't have had to go through the time where I had to stay in bed for days at a time. I shouldn't have had those work restrictions. I shouldn't have not been able to travel. I should have, I should have, I should have. And by the way, that's just on my health. I don't know about you, but I've got a whole list of things that I think shouldn't have happened to me, right? Things that shouldn't have happened to me in my childhood, things that shouldn't have happened to me in my education, things that shouldn't have happened to me in my career, things that shouldn't have happened to me in my marriage, things that shouldn't have happened to me with regards to my kids, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Can anybody relate? Does anybody here? Yeah, you've got some shouldn't haves in your life. And here's the thing that I want you to understand. We could start right now, start on this side of the room, go all the way to the other side of the room, and everyone, we would be here for days as we all listed the shouldn't haves in our lives if we made an exhaustive list. Maybe right now, just one or two of those is coming to your mind, the thing that you think about all the time. If only this wouldn't have happened, then I would have been able to move forward. You might be thinking about your health, your childhood, your education, your marriage, your finances, your career, your kids, and in fact, you may even be honest. I know that I'll be honest. I am regularly tempted to get angry at God when I think about the shouldn't haves in my life. If, if I'm being super honest, it's not even that I'm tempted to be angry at God, I just get angry at God. You probably have had those moments as well. They seem justified. Why would God allow these things to happen? So what do we do? Well, Paul, in verse 20, changes gears. Look at verse 20. For this reason, Paul says, I've asked to see you and to speak to you. In fact, it is for the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain. Paul says, I didn't do anything wrong. I've been arrested. This shouldn't have happened to me. And three verses later, he says, but let me tell you what I want to tell you. What does Paul do? He sets his shouldn't haves to the side. He moves to the side. If you've read any comic books or if you've watched any Marvel movies, you know that every villain has an origin story, right? You know, this terrible thing happened to the villain and as a result, now they act like this. I think that a lot of us are like that. Something bad happened to us in the past. Something happened in our lives or, or you know, we, we experienced something that shouldn't have happened and we sit on it and hold on to it. We're like Uncle Rico and Napoleon Dynamite. Right? If coaches would have put me in, I know we would have won state, right? You know, that's the way that we feel about life. And we think that we're justified because these things happen to us, that we're able to have that bitterness, to have that anger, to have that sullenness in our lives. When Paul says, hey, this is not what should have happened, but let me go ahead and tell you about Jesus anyway. The truth of the matter is, is that many of us need to get to a point where we will finally just take the advice of frozen and let it go. Right? We just need to get to our moment where what we need to do is we need to recognize that this stuff should not have happened and then we need to release it. We've just got to release it. If you will get to a point where you will finally release it, you can stop letting the wrong rudder steer your life. Lots of us wake up every day mad about our circumstances and as a result, we can't experience what God wants us to experience because we are stuck in the shouldn't haves. 
And here's what I want you to hear. It's not just physical illness, right? Like, I mean, I talked about heart failure, but I've, like I said, I've got a whole list of shouldn't haves. I don't know what your shouldn't have happened to you is that gets in your heart, gets in your mind, gets you thinking in the wrong direction, but this is what I want you to hear today. You do not have to allow that to steer your emotions. You don't have to allow it to steer your thoughts. You can actually overcome it today, but you have to begin by releasing it to the Lord. So, release the shouldn't and then do what? Verse 23. After arranging a day with him, Many came to him at his lodging from dawn to dusk. He expounded and testified about the kingdom of God. He tried to persuade them about Jesus from both the law of Moses and the prophets. What, what does Paul do? Paul is literally arrested. And all he wants to do is to travel around and preach about Jesus, but that cannot happen. Now, he shouldn't have been arrested, and he should be able to travel around and preach, but he can't do that anymore, so what does he do? He redeems that moment and says, well, if the only thing I can do is sit in my house and preach to one or two or three or four people at a time, then that's what I'll do. I will redeem the is. He rejects the shouldn't and he redeems the is. Let's go to the end of this chapter, verses 30 and 31. He keeps doing it. Verses 30 and 31 say, Paul stayed two whole years in his own rented home. And he welcomed all who visited him, proclaiming the kingdom of God and teaching about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. I don't know if you noticed it, but there was a guard living with Paul. What are the chances that guy didn't come to faith? I mean, zero, right? For two years, Paul preached to him every day. Paul says, I am going to preach, and he releases the shouldn't and finally redeems the is. Why did Paul do that? Because Paul believed some very specific things. I want to just read a couple of verses to you. Verses, if you've gone to church for any amount of time, you've probably heard before, but I want you to see today how these verses apply to the moment when you feel stuck in your circumstances. Romans chapter 12, verse two. Paul wrote this. Do not be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Paul believed, and I believe, and the scripture teaches that God can rewire your brain. Now, he can do that right now. You do not have to hate the person you hate. You don't have to be bitter at the person you're bitter. You don't have to be stuck in the way that you're stuck. Now, I want you to hear me. You may choose that, but you don't have to be there because you can have your mind renewed today. Next, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 16, therefore we do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. So your body may be falling apart, Paul says, but your inner person, your heart, your mind can be renewed every single day because this is what the Holy Spirit does. Paul said and decided that he would no longer allow daydreaming or wishing to become the steering wheel of his life. I don't know about you, but I can be guilty of this. I can daydream with the best of them. I go, oh, it would be so good if life was like this. You know, most of the time I win the lottery. And most of the time there's no weeds in my flower bed. And if there is, somebody else is pulling them. Right? I can daydream about all kinds of things. This is what I want you to hear. We daydream and we wish for a different life because we think it to be easier and better 
than our is. And this is what I want you to hear right now. God does not give you a different is. He just changes the way that your mind thinks about your is. That's what he does. He renews your mind. He renews your inner man day by day. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was talking about how many people have sort of a, an idealistic vision of church. And this is what he wrote about it. And I want us to look at it. Bonhoeffer said this, by sheer grace, God will not permit us to live even for a brief period in a dream world. He does not abandon us to those rapturous experiences and lofty moods that come over us like a dream. God is not a God of emotions, but the God of truth. Only that fellowship which faces such disillusionment with all its happy and ugly aspects begins to be what it should be in God's sight, begins to grasp in faith the promise that is given to it. This last sentence, the sooner this shock of disillusionment comes to an individual and to a community, the better for both. Now, let's leave that quote up there for just a second. I want you to, want you to hear this. It's not just about church, though, is it? See, he's talking about how you need to get over the idealized vision of church because a lot of people are looking for their perfect church. Newsflash, the first perfect church you'll visit will be the one in heaven, okay? Right? So until then, we're gotta deal with the real world, the isness of this church, the isness of our lives. We could apply that quote to every aspect of our lives. We could say, well, you know, this isn't the job that I wanted. These aren't the kids that I wanted. This isn't the spouse that I wanted. This isn't the health that I wanted. This isn't the life that I planned. These aren't the goals that I set for myself. Whatever the thing is that you're disillusioned about, I want you to hear this. God wants you today to hear this. You can't change that. It's what you got. This is it. Those of us who grow up, grow up in this knowledge. This is the way life is. Now, what do you do with that? You let God redeem it. You let God redeem it. God doesn't want your ambition to die, but he wants you to let him kill the things that are daydreams that are no longer possible. The cross is not just a place for our sin and our shame. The cross is where we put our disappointments and allow them to be put to death. Because once we allow our disappointments to die, then God can show us what is so much better. Years later, years later, Bill Buckner was invited back to Fenway Park to throw out the ceremonial first pitch at a game. And when he came out, he was nervous about how he would be received. And the fans at Fenway stood and gave him a standing ovation that lasted for over two minutes. Now, you gotta wonder what happened between 1986 and I think it was 2003 was the year that he came back and, and gave that ceremonial first pitch. What happened between 1986 and 2003? Well, the Red Sox won the World Series. See, they didn't have to hold on to their anger anymore because they'd finally gotten that thing that they wanted. They'd finally received that victory. Since they had the victory, then they had that championship, then they could say, okay, well, we can forgive you now. The reason that many of us do not release our bitterness and our disappointment about life is because we do not recognize that we have already been given victory, right? 
and we don't recognize it because we don't know what the victory is. So we try to do different things. You know what we'll do? So like some of us are obsessed with silver linings, right? You know, so something bad happens to us. Well, at least, you know, now this can happen. I'm not saying silver linings are bad. They're just a poor substitute for victory. Right? Others of us will just kind of come to this moment of almost begrudging acceptance. And I guess that that's better than, you know, not doing what we ought to do. But begrudging acceptance, by the way, it's not a good substitute for victory. You have victory. Why do you have victory today? Because Jesus Christ is alive. I want you to hear this. If Jesus literally got out of the grave, then whatever circumstance you are up against today no longer has the final say. And listen to me in this. If Jesus got up out of the grave, the resurrection is a thing to which we look forward And so my body will not have the final say because one day this body will be redeemed. The circumstances of my life don't have the final say because one day the circumstances will be redeemed. But this is what I want you to hear. The resurrection means that God has also brought the Holy Spirit into your life. And this is what I want you to hear. You don't have to wait until the day that Jesus returns and you're resurrected to experience that joy. He gives you the Holy Spirit so that you can experience the resurrection day by day right now. You can live the resurrection right now. When we stop dreaming about what could have been and we start letting God change our hearts through the victory of the resurrection today by living it, that's when we learn what hope and faith truly are. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 17, Paul says, for our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable, eternal weight of glory. I love that phrase, weight of glory. The picture is like a meteor shattering through a veil. And it's this picture that one day when the glory of God comes crashing into our reality, all of our disappointments and all of our frustration will finally be burned up by the holiness, righteousness, and beauty of God. And when that happens, finally, when all that's crushed, we can let it go and we can live in the glorious presence of Christ forever. But until that happens, the Holy Spirit gives you the power of joy today. Today, you can live in the here and the now. The way that I live in the here and the now is believing that one day my body will and truly be resurrected, but until then, I can find joy now. How? Because I walk with Jesus, whether I live or whether I die, no matter how good my marriage or my kids or my job or my finances or my circumstances may be, I can find joy now because Jesus is with me. Here's what I want you to hear, Psalm 23. The psalmist says, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you are with me. Listen to me. Every person, every person, every person in this room, you will walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Every person. You will go through circumstances that are horrific and terrible. You will have moments that will make you weep and make you want to curse God. You will have things happen to you that will frustrate you, make you bitter, make you angry, and make you want to give up and walk away. You will have things happen to you that will make you say, how could this be the life that God wants me to have? Every person will have that, and this is what I want you to hear. There are two options in that moment. 
Option one, you can believe that you are by yourself. Option two, you can look and see that Jesus is with you the entire time. Those are the only options. Those are the only options. And you, here's the crazy thing, there are many of us in this room who know here that Jesus is with us, but we live like we are by ourselves. And when we live like we're by ourselves, then we walk in bitterness and disappointment when we can walk in victory. And we don't get to walk in victory because we're angry about what shouldn't have happened when he says, I can redeem your is if you'll just take my hand. And what I want you to hear today is that this makes silver linings look like garbage because the victory of the resurrection is the weight of glory. Do not give up. Even though our outer person is being destroyed, our inner person is being renewed day by day. The resurrection changes you day by day. I want you to look at that end of that passage. Paul is preaching and a bunch of people, if you, you know that verse, it said, some people believed, but other people didn't believe. And he says, okay, look, I just want you to hear this. The prophet Isaiah has already spoken about this. And this is what he says, starting in verse 26. Go to these people and say, you will always be listening, but never understanding. You will always be looking, but never perceiving. For the hearts of these people have grown callous. Their ears are hard of hearing and they have shut their eyes. Otherwise they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears, understand with their heart in turn and I would heal them. Back in verse 20 when he says, it's for the hope of Israel that I'm wearing this chain. This is what this verse is about. This is what I want you to hear. Paul is saying, I want you to know that Jesus is the Messiah. And he says, some of you just don't understand it. You think that it's something else or something that hasn't happened yet. But you know what? That verse today, a lot of people in this room know that Jesus is Messiah, but that verse, verse 26, 27, those two verses apply to us. You know why they apply to us? Because we're living as if we've never heard that God is strong enough to redeem our pain. Right? When it says, you'll always be listening and never understanding. Some of us would rather hold on to our grudge than receive grace. Some of us would rather be mad than be remade. Some of us would rather live with disappointment and experience his divinity. What I want you to hear right now is that the only way that God can redeem your is is for you to finally go, this is what I have, so I'm gonna let God do what only God can do. Amen. You've got to hand it over to him. Now, I wanna go back to that standing ovation for a second. That standing ovation, we have a, a man receiving recognition that his mistake doesn't define him. And they clap for over two minutes as a recognition. We, we treated you in ways that we shouldn't have. And that's good. But I want us to think about, for us today, how that points to our lives. Because see, a lot of us, we have been allowing, maybe not our worst mistake, for some of us maybe, but for some of us, the thing that happened to us to define us. And we think that we'll never have that kind of recognition because 
our lives are too far afield. I want you to hear this. The book of Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. You know what the great cloud of witnesses is? It's every person before today who has died in Christ, in faith. And right now, that cloud of witnesses is surrounding us and they're looking down on us. And they are cheering you on. Cheering you on. And they are saying, we want you to know that when you step into the presence of God, all of that stuff burns away and you are not defined by what happened to you. You are defined by being adopted by Jesus Christ. That, that's what defines you. I don't know if you've heard uh, Simon Sinek, the leadership guru, he was talking about who makes it through Navy SEAL training. They, they call it BUDS. And he was talking about who, who makes it through BUDS. And he was asking one of the leaders of the Navy SEALs, and he says, you know, I don't, I don't know if I can tell you who makes it through, but I can tell you who doesn't make it through. He said, well, who, who doesn't make it through? He said, I'll tell you who doesn't make it through. The star athlete never makes it through. The guy with big muscles jacked up and tattoos up and down his arms, he doesn't make it through. <laughs> he said, the leader who delegates everything, that, that leader doesn't make it through. He said, in fact, a lot of the Navy SEALs who make it through are scrawny guys. How do they make it through? He says, you know, now, now that I'm thinking about it, I, I, I can tell you what the common characteristic is. The common characteristic is, is that whenever it's terrible and they're shivering with fear and they want to give up, somehow the people who make it through are, are, are always able to dig deep to help the person next to them. And so I want you to hear. Church is like that, but the reverse. The people who make it are the people who are willing to say, I need help. You need help from the Lord. And if they're truly healthy, they will look at their brother or their sister in this room and they'll say, I need help from you because here's where my struggle is. And the cloud of witnesses is your standing ovation right now. And they are standing up and they are clapping for you saying, admit your weakness, admit your need, let go of your shouldn't haves and let the resurrection of Jesus Christ redeem your is and walk in it today. And they are standing right now. They're standing up. They're on the edge of their seats and they're looking at every person in this room right now and they're saying, will you make that decision? Will you do that? Will you finally let go of your bitterness and your disappointment and your frustration and will you finally say, God, this isn't the life that I planned, but it is the life that I have and I'm gonna let you remake me so that I can see this for what you see it for, which is a life with you by my side from now until I step into glory. And the day that you do that, that cloud of witnesses will be on their feet and they'll be clapping just like you and they will say, I am proud of you because you gave it all over to Jesus. Today, this is what I I want you to hear, church, that we can live from a truth that Jesus is alive and that one day we will be remade, that Jesus is reigning and that one day that reign will be visible, that Jesus is resurrected and that we can live the resurrection day by day, that Jesus gives joy and I can have that joy today, that Jesus wants to be unified with us by the Spirit and give us the greatest ecstasy we can know if we will step into the pleasure of the gospel. Today, you can make peace with your failure. You can make peace with your life because God has given you victory in the resurrection if you will say yes to it today. Let's release our shouldn't. Let's redeem our is at the hand of Jesus. Amen and amen. Would you pray with me? I wanna pray first today for those in this room who would say, Steve, 
I need to hand over the bitterness and the disappointment I have about some things that have happened to me. I need to move on. I need to let it go, and I need to let God start doing some things in me today. If that is you, I wanna pray for you right now. Nobody looking around. I just wanna pray for you. Just raise up your hand. And just say, that's me. Okay, lots of hands. Just raise them up. Do you mind? Just raise them up high for me. The lights are in my eyes. I just wanna see lots of hands going up. I'm praying for you. Okay, I see a whole lot of hands going up. I'm gonna hold them up. Lord, thank you for your goodness. And God, thank you today for these that have said this. Father, my prayer right now is that they would release these things in their lives and they would turn to you. God, that they would know that you will redeem and that they'll live by the Spirit. Okay, secondly, second group I wanna pray for. If you're in this room and you would say, I have never placed my faith in Jesus. I need the things that I heard about today. What I want you to hear is this. He forgives you of your sin. He gives you the promise of eternal life and he gives you the power to receive it today if you place your faith in him. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. If you're ready to place your faith in him today, nobody looking around, just raise up your hand and say, today's my day, I'm ready to come to Jesus. Raise it up high where I can see it, that's you. Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this word from your scriptures. And God, I pray that today you would move and change us be the people who follow you. We pray this, God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us. And if you have any questions about what you just heard, we'd love to talk with you. You can get connected at hnw.org about what we believe or how to join a small group or follow us on social media as well. Thank you so much for joining us. And we'd love to see you soon. 